Hi, this is Lucinda. I'm a healthcare accreditation coordinator as well as an RN. I have no affiliation with the Joint Commission at all, nor CMS or any of that. I'm just a regular healthcare accreditation coordinator trying to spread the good word of regulations. Today, I wanted to talk to you about nurse to patient ratios, which seems to be a very hot topic right now. I also want to remind you that my opinion is that of my own and not necessarily that of my organization. So did you know California is the only state that has a sweeping mandated nurse to patient ratio? Or another way to phrase it would be California is the only U.S. state to legally require a specific nurse to patient ratio in hospitals. Now, that's not to say that other states don't have different rules, like, for instance, hospitals in Illinois are mandated by the state to present a staffing plan or have a committee, and they must report staffing to the public once a month. Massachusetts uh, mandates a one-to-one nurse-to-patient ratio in the ICU. Nurses may take a second patient based on their clinical judgment and the use of an acuity tool. In Minnesota, the chief nursing officer develops the core staffing plan. Hospitals must use staffing committees of at least 50% um, clinical nurses. New Jersey hospitals must report hospital staffing to the public once a month. Hospitals in Nevada determine staffing needs through staffing committees made up of at least 50% clinical nurses. New York hospitals must report hospital staffing upon request from the state. And we're going to talk more about New York in a little bit. Ohio hospitals must use staffing committees of at least 50% clinical nurses, and that seems to be the going thing. Hospitals in Oregon must use staffing committees of at least 50% clinical nurses. Rhode Island hospitals are required to report hospital staffing to the public once a year. They must also use staffing committees of at least 50% clinical nurses. Texas hospitals must use staffing committees of at least 50% clinical nurses. Vermont hospitals must use staffing to the public once a quarter. Hospitals in Washington must submit a staffing plan annually and use staffing committees or report a staffing plan. That is not to say that other states haven't tried to produce similar laws, similar to California, but support uh, for such regulation is dampened for three primary reasons. Number one, lack of pre-policy data documenting significant variation of hospital nurse staffing ratios across the state debating staffing regulation. Number two, Lack of local, timely evidence demonstrating variation in nurse staffing adversely affects patient outcomes. And number three, an underdeveloped business case to justify the physical investments required to staff greater numbers of nurses at the bedside. So let us look closer um, at this law in California. The law required the State Department of Health, DHS, to establish specific ratios for specific hospital units or departments. In 2002, DHS issued proposed regulations to implement the law, including these specific ratios. Final regulations were issued on July 1, 2003, incorporating extensive testimony presented during numerous public hearings, as well as public comment via letters sent in. California's safe staffing standards are based on individual patient acuity, of which the RN ratios is the minimum. 
Additional RNs must be added to the minimum ratios based upon a documented patient classification system that measures patient needs and nursing care, including severity of illness, complexity of clinical judgment, and the need for specialized technology. Hospitals may not assign unlicensed assistive personnel to perform nursing functions or perform RN functions under the supervision of an RN, including administration of a medication. So your techs cannot, you know, of course, administer medications. Um, they cannot do venipuncture and invasive procedures, protecting the RN scope of practice and patient safety. The ratios established must apply at all times. This is including meals and breaks and excused absences. There can be no averaging of the number of patients and total number of RNs. So you can't like round up or round down. In the first year of implementation, the California Nursing Association successfully fought off challenges from several California hospitals who responded to the ratios by attempting to cut back on LVNs and unlicensed personnel, such as techs, going against the intent of the law. The state's safe staffing standards maintain the existing staffing model, which utilizes RNs, LVNs, and unlicensed assistive personnel or techs. Of course, during the COVID-19 pandemic, California had to bypass some of those st staffing ratio rules. So let me give you an example of some of the ratios we're talking about. Um, in California, for intensive critical care, it's uh, one nurse to two patients, which is, you know, that's, that's fundamental, I think. Um, neonatal intensive care, one to two patients, one nurse to two patients. Operating room, one nurse to one patient. Post-anesthesia recovery, one nurse to two patients. That's really nice. Labor and delivery, one nurse to two patients. Again, very nice California. The emergency room requires one patient, I mean, one RN to four patients. So one RN would take care of four patients. Um, telemetry, one nurse to five patients. Med surge, initial med surge. One to six patients, but they changed that, it looks like, in 2008 to one nurse to every five patients. One nurse takes care of five patients. And other specialty care uh, was one to five, but was reduced to one to four in 2008. So one nurse takes care of four patients on any other specialty care unit. And again, these are the minimums. So if you had higher acuity patients, this, you know, you would have more RNs per, you know, per ratio. The nursing shortage has increased since COVID-19. That's a no-brainer. I feel like it was starting to happen before COVID-19 anyway, though, and that the pandemic has really given many nurses a soapbox to stand on or a reason for leaving the profession. You know, this is a well-known issue. Nurses are running away from the bedside nursing in droves. Also, a lot of nurses are going into travel nursing to get that higher pay instead of being loyal to a hospital because the hospitals don't offer much, you know. If you are, if there's any way you can travel, most nurses are doing that if they're at the bedside right now or they're just leaving the profession. I personally had a real big burnout a few years ago, but it also... It was because the place of my employment at the time would not hire more staff on and we were a surgery center and it was it was scary. 
it, you know, and everything's under your license. And I said something every week about the safety of the patients. They did not care. Also, I had turmoil going on at home. My father had been sick and on life support, and they kept acting like I could take off, but I couldn't during surgery days. So it was just a really bad situation, a really bad situation. Anybody that knows me can come talk to me about it. This made me flee from the bedside. I did not, I no longer wanted to do direct patient care for a good while. So I went and got a job in quality and was, I have been very happy ever since. Um, now, of course, when elective surgery opened back up during the COVID-19 pandemic, I did help out in surgery and do patient care again. I do miss it sometimes because that's what we came into this field for is to help people. But, you know, you also need to make sure that you have a good work-life balance as well. Um, it's important to anyone's mental health to try to achieve this. Um, it's really difficult to stay in the nursing profession after a situation of long-term burnout. I remember thinking to myself, if I don't get this position in quality or I can't get a job away from the bedside where I'm reviewing charts or something, um, maybe I could just go to work at McDonald's or Walmart. It was that bad. Um, how can I continue to care for others when I can't tend to, to my own family's needs at times? So enough about me and my journey. Let's talk about something way more interesting. The strike in New York City. More than 7,000 nurses at two New York City hospitals ended a three-day strike recently and returned to work. New York had a, they have a nursing union that advocates for laws that set safe staffing levels. They protect nursing and patients and guarantee health care for all. This group is called the New York State Nurse, Nurses Association. A nursing union gives RNs the legal right to advocate as a collective so in a group, for contracts that ensure safe working conditions, protect nursing rights, and help by improving wages and benefits so that your focus can stay on caring for the patients. So what I just listed is basically the pros. The cons can be things like union fees, unpaid strikes, because if the whole group strikes, you have to strike too, and you don't get, you don't get paid. Um, not all members support all collective actions of the group because they are a group. Um, seniority is sometimes rewarded over performance, which is not always fair. I mean, can you imagine trying to support your family during an unpaid strike? What a nightmare. Also, as a union nurse, if a strike is uh, to take place, the nurses have to give the hospital a written notice of 10 days in advance of their intent to strike as required by law so that the hospital can stop admitting patients and start transfer, uh, transferring patients out as needed. Um, if your state does not have a union, they still may have a nursing group that can advocate for you. Uh, for example, in Mississippi, we have many groups, but we have the Mississippi Nurses Association that represents us at a state and national level. Now, there's lots of research on nurse-to-patient ratios, but let me share some facts that I found. Safe RN-to-patient ratios are cost-effective for the hospitals, believe it or not. Ratios will, um, safe ratios will reduce spending on temporary RNs, 
such as your travel nurses, and overtime costs. Lower, you'll have lower RN turnover and improve patient outcomes and sh actually shorten the patient lengths of stay because they're getting more attention. Let's see, another one was a 2009 study. That's old, but a 2009 study estimated that adding 133,000 RNs, the number of RNs needed to increase nursing staff to the 75th percentile to the U.S. hospital workforce would result in medical savings of $6.1 billion on healthcare spending, not included um, the value of increased productivity when RNs help patients recover more quickly. So what this is saying is that because the patients are getting more attention, they're getting turned, um, they are getting bathed, their skin is being assessed better, everything, you know, they're getting more attention per the nurse. So you're actually decreasing falls and things of this nature as well. That's what you need to think about that. There were so many resources and so many different ways that I could go with this podcast. So I had a, I struggled a little bit trying to stay on topic, but in conclusion, poor staffing conditions were associated with adverse health outcomes for patients, including mortality and longer lengths of stay. There are lots of studies on this. In one study, each additional patient in a nurse's workload. So say your patient to nurse ratio is four patients to every one nurse in a med surge unit. Each additional patient added can increase the odds of patient death by 16%. So, you know, there you go on that. There are lots of studies, though. Make sure and, you know, do your own research. Hospital understaffing is associated with poor nurse outcomes, including burnout, job dissatisfaction, and intent to leave. Um, nurse burnout has been linked with worse patient outcomes, including mortality and longer lengths of stay due to issues like infections and skin issues and things of this nature. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope it at least gets you thinking about a few different things. And, you know, hopefully it's helpful to you in some way. I hope you have a great day and Happy New Year, everybody.